Today, Cindy Stites joins me on the podcast to talk about how she got started in the outdoors, but also about how conservation isn't just financial. It's actually boots on the ground, volunteering, and she helps us hear some of the ways and opportunities that we can all get involved All right, everybody, I am here today talking with Cindy Stites um, of Indiana. And uh, Cindy, do me a favor and quickly give me um, just a little bit of background just on who you are right now and what you do. And we'll get into some some other stuff on the outdoors in just a second. Well, I am a horticulturist and an arborist. I'm from central Indiana, Uh, born and raised, still reside. And I've been in the horticulture industry for about 25 years. Um, I grew up, I have two brothers, older brothers, grew up with horses, grew up playing in the outdoors all the time. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at now. I've got a boyfriend, Chance, and his uh, little girl, Siani, who's 10. And I've been with the two of them for, let's see, uh, seven years now. So since Siani was three, so I kind of consider her one of my own. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And two cats. We have two dogs, Addie and Teddy. So that's the fam. That is the fam, and those dogs are beautiful. <laughs> they, well, they're they're ornery, so they <laughs> need to make up for the orneriness. <laughs> they're they, a handful. They know they're pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they do. <laughs> I've got one like that too. (laughs) So I get that completely. Um, Well, give me, I'd love to hear kind of, you know, this is um, the Her Wild Outdoors podcast. You are the first one um, to be on the podcast. I'm very excited about it. Um, Just highlighting women all over our country um, and further, hopefully, with their stories of who they are, how they're impacting um, our hunting and outdoor community, because those two relate so closely together. and you don't necessarily have to hunt and fish, but you're going to be in the outdoors anyway. So um, I don't, they correlate together, I believe. So right. give me your background on being in the outdoors. Well, like I said, I grew up out in the country. Uh, my brother and I played in the woods across the road from our house every day. Uh, we were probably in trouble more for being outdoors too long than kids these <laughs> days too much so we played in the creek and we built forts and we just did all the you know the typical kid things that you do in the woods um learned how to fish at a young age my dad taught us how to fish when i was really young and then um you know working in the field that i work in Mm -hmm. i'm outside all the time and it's just you know i don't really i work in an office now um my my job has shifted a little bit but for you know many years i was outdoors every day Uh, not necessarily out in the woods but still outside so it's just kind of a way of life for me Mm -hmm. um well then how did you get in because you're you have your hands in a whole lot of different places right now (laughs) yes Um, i do (laughs) you've got lots of hats that you wear and you wear them well um but i'm wondering how it shifted from being in the outdoors to hunting and to um fishing and to mentoring and to all conservation like how did it switch from playing forts which I did the same thing um what was your shift and when was it how how old were you 
so um, we did, I used to go fish in northern Minnesota when my late teens, um, early 20s with a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd go and, and spend two weeks up there fishing near Bemidji. Um, so I, fishing has always been a big, big part of my life, but I didn't get into hunting until I was 36. So um, I met Chance and a few, I don't know, probably three or four weeks after I met him, he suggested that I try hunting. Because mm-hmm. when first time, our first date, actually, I showed up, <laughs> I showed up with a fishing rod and a handgun. So he was like, huh, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she'd like to go hunting, you know, okay. and initially I had no interest. I just, it, it wasn't anything I'd ever done. And I didn't think, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to kill an animal. I just, I, that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have any understanding. And, and, you know, my dad, I didn't know it until, well, actually until about two years ago that my dad was an avid hunter in his younger years, but growing up, it was never brought up. Huh. So we weren't, we weren't an anti-hunting family. Yeah. It just, you know, the, the thing was he had taken my oldest brother, Tim, out when he was very young. He was probably five or six, and they were going to go out squirrel hunting. Tim was excited, so my dad took him, and they got up on a squirrel, and my dad raised his twenty-two to shoot the squirrel, and my brother was like, what are you doing? And dad's like, well, I'm going to shoot the squirrel. He's like, no, yeah. <laughs> so my dad was that's what we're that's what we're doing. And after that, my dad said my brother was just devastated that he was going to kill an animal. So my dad quit hunting. Mm. His life. I mean, it was everything to him. But for the love of his son, he didn't want to lie to him and not tell him where he'd been and you know yeah. hide it from him. So he quit. So it just wasn't anything we ever talked about. You know, I knew we had guns and my dad had a, an old um, longbow that he shot once in a while, but hunting was never brought up. So fast forward to, to when I was 36 and Chance convinced me to go out and sit in the woods with him. I, um, it took a little bit of prodding, but I went and we went out and sat in a tree and, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of talking and he's nudging me, telling me to be quiet. <laughs> okay. So the first year that I saw was a piebald doe that walked along the edge of the field. I had no clue what I was looking at uh-huh. and he nudged me and I looked up and of course, you know, not knowing you're supposed to move slow and you're supposed to be quiet. I just jerked my head and I'm like, what? And of course she blew at us and yep. she ran. And the first, you know, all I could think of, I could relate it to a horse, paint horse. That's just what I kept thinking. I'm like, it looked like a paint horse. And Chance was like, you know, you just saw something that Mm-mm. most people in their lifetime. It's true. That's amazing. And I thought, okay. So I was intrigued after that. And then I just went for it. You know, he taught me how to shoot. Um, it was early season, so he, obviously I didn't have time to learn how to shoot a bow. Mm-hmm. So he crossbow. So he taught me how to shoot that. And then he taught me how to shoot a rifle um, and basically kicked me out in the woods and said, figure it out. Yeah. It was a rough, it was a rough way to go the way uh, I got into it. But it, it was a, it was a good way for me because I like a challenge and I'm pretty competitive. So I went out and <laughs> stumbled and came back to his house mad and we argued and he'd tell me what I did wrong and I'd be mad because he didn't tell me before I went out <laughs> what not to do and you know, it was just this give and take. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah. And so that's how I got into hunting and then it just, everything kind of snowballed from there. I, I, I relate with that because that's kind of how... I was more of a, here's all the information, here's where you can learn, here's where you need to do this, this, and this, 
good luck. And, um, and I learn better that way. I, I, it kicks my tail and the only person that I can be mad with is myself. And I kind of like it that way. Um, I don't want to be, it has, it has taken a while to get used to hunting with somebody else because I do, um, I do like hunting solo. And so, um, it, it has been an adjustment bringing our kids into it and oh yeah it's definitely different since I we started taking Siani when she was probably six mm-hmm. said she's gonna be 11 gosh she's gonna be 11 next month <laughs> anyway um but I took her out you know for two years deer hunting and it's just so different I mean it's just yep. so <laughs> you know the time you spend out there and, and what you get accomplished and you know you go home a lot sooner than, than what you plan to some days but that was a learning process too um, because I think that you know when you do take a kid with you you've got to you've got to make it so they're not miserable Yep. because if you don't, they're not going to want to go again so you know, let them talk a little bit and let them goof off a little bit and make it fun for them. And then when it's time to get serious, you get serious. Yeah. And then, you know, they get it. Well, and it's kind of like your first experience out there being blowed at and, or blown (laughs) at. And it, you know, that's happened with my kids. And they were like, Mm -hmm. what, what was that noise? And I said, you just got caught. You got busted. (laughs) You, that is the sound of, I see you, I know you're there and you cannot get me because, yep. and, and they went, oh, but until you hear that noise, you, you don't know what you're experiencing. You don't know. No. And I, I bet I went two years hunting without hearing that noise. And yeah. so honestly, I, I have loved that in the first times that they've been out there, that they have heard that and they know what to expect and they know what's expected oh. of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's an alarm for sure. I mean, oh. you, you don't even realize you're being, you're being seen long before you see, you know, what's yes. blowing at you. Yeah. There's been times I've been, I've been sitting out in the woods and I hear it and I'm like, no. I didn't and even I go, see you. Yeah. And it's like, I know what direction it came from and then you freeze and then you're terrified to even move because mm-hmm. sometimes you get away with just sitting still. Yep. And, and they'll, and they'll come back around, but you, you know, unless you know exactly where they're at and typically they're behind you and you're just like, Oh, tell me that didn't just happen. Yep. Especially if they're on the ground. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. In the tree, like you can get it. I like to ground hunt yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But you're more susceptible down there than up in the tree. So oh, you yeah. have to be more, more careful. Yeah. But yeah, yep. man, that, uh, that's a great lesson. <laughs> right. But, but you know, I think too, learning to hunt the way that I did was beneficial for me just, just due to, well, like I said, the competitive side of it. And I thought, you know what, I, I, I'm going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. The, the gauntlet has been thrown down and now it's like, okay, you think I can't do this? I can do this. Yeah. But you no, know, there was a lot of self-doubt there. The first few times I went out, I would just I, you know, there were tears. There were a lot of arguments because I was just so frustrated. I'm like, it can't be this difficult. Yeah. And every time I went out, you know, he'd kind of give me some pointers and I'd go back out and I always went out by myself and I'd learn something each time. Mm-hmm. And then I'd get a little bit of more confidence and I'd figure out, okay, well, I can get to the tree quieter if I go this way or, okay, I know this time of day they're coming down this trail. Yeah. And it just started to all kind of piece together 
and throughout the process, you know, I was gaining confidence and, and for me, um, and I'm not going to go into weeds too much, but for me, I had just left a relationship where I was in an abusive marriage, uh, for 11 years. So I was, I, my confidence level and, and, and self-worth was pretty low. <laughs> there yeah. wasn't really much of it there. So I, it, you know, getting into hunting was a focus that I needed, um, throwing me out in the woods the way chance did was a challenge that i needed Mm -hmm. and 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 trying to just go out there every day and figure something new out was was something that built my confidence in a way that i don't know that anything else could have and it it pretty much changed it changed everything so well what insight that he had to know that in that moment in those moments that you needed to be able to do it on your own because no matter what he did no matter what he said no matter what he could do um it wasn't until you changed your mindset yeah absolutely because i fought it i fought it tooth and nail at the beginning no this isn't for me Mm -hmm. i don't have anything against it i just don't want to do it yeah but you know when it finally came down to having that opportunity at my first year and and taking my first year and going through the process it just it gives you a completely different perspective and you know there's a sense of pride for being able to to provide food for you know your friends and your family and it just and I think it's it's really a hard concept to grasp if you don't do it I think it's just one of the and you know there might be people that go through the process and they do it and they still decide it's not for them and that's okay it's perfectly fine yeah but for me it really changed it changed everything yeah we've been having that conversation with my daughter right now because she is getting it at school in the lunchroom she'll take meat uh, venison and we're having to kind of wade those waters of how do you have that conversation of introducing your friends to this Mm-hmm. And at the, at the same time, being respectful of their decisions, but also of where they're coming from, because they don't, yeah. like you said, they don't have the insight into it. They haven't been through this. They don't see. And so right. there's a sense of, OK, well, we might just have to agree to disagree at this moment in time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, going back to, you know, finally getting that deer that first time all the emotions that come with it are also compounded by damn it I did it <laughs> I know <laughs> and, and the funny thing about that first year I had came back to the house and Chance didn't go out that morning and you know it was one of those mornings I'm like why didn't you go out mm-hmm. he goes well let me tell you why and let me tell you why you shouldn't have went out and I'm just like darn it but we were arguing and I'm looking out the bedroom window across the hayfield behind the house and I'm like stop talking and he's like what you and I said there are three deer back there and can I shoot one and he said you know I, I don't care and I'm like no I'm being serious can I shoot one and he said you know he gave me this this idea of what I needed to do he said if you can you know sneak out to my truck and open my squeaky door and get my gun out and mm-hmm. sneak around, then yeah have at it he goes but I don't think you can do it well I challenge ran taken I'm in jeans and a hoodie and I throw his <laughs> on that are way too big and I'm tromping through the driveway and I open his you know I open his door and get his gun which I had not I had never shot his gun before and <laughs> I go sneaking around the house like Elmer Fudd <laughs> well he's looking out this big picture window on the back of the house 
you know, in his whitey tighties, and he's watching me crawl across the ground, hiding behind, you know, a juniper. And I pull the gun up, and I'm down on one knee, and I shoot, and the buck just stands there, like, what, you know, what was that? And he's pounding on the window, shoot again. (laughs) This is not how a first deer is supposed to go down. So I slide forward and I pull the gun up again. And, and, you know, it was a lever action, uh, 44 mag. So I chopped another shell in there, you know, like I thought, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know the Cowboys do this on the movies. Yeah. And I shot again and, and I dropped the deer and, you know, it's like I said, it's, I, I was excited. I was nervous. I was, you know, I don't know. I it was an overwhelming feeling on that first one, but to know that he, he's looking out the window in his underwear—that's. I thought that was a pretty unique first year. Oh yeah, it is. Not many people are going to have, but no, it's, it's a story you'll Arms have. Of course, yeah, you'll hold on to that story for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Oh yeah, but, yeah. But it does. It so goes back how, to that. It, But it also yeah. goes back to once you have felt that, once you know how your confidence was built, it creates a drive to build that in other people. Yes. Yeah. To give uh, to give that feeling to somebody else who's interested in it, um, yeah. to know yeah, when to th- push and when not to push. And I think, you know, Siani was a prime example of that because uh, last, not the fall we just had, but in 18, the night before opening day of gun season, she just looked at both of us after we had just went and spent $300 on bibs and a coat and clubs. And she <laughs> said, I don't think I can kill an animal. And we just both went, what? And she's like, I just, I don't want all the deer to die. And I said, sweetie, I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to hunt. If you don't want to hunt, I'm not going to be mad at you. Your dad's not going to be mad at you. We aren't going to be disappointed in you. You don't have to like what we like. It, it's it's okay. We're not going to force you into doing this. But I want to explain to you, you know, a little bit about conservation, a little bit about why there are back limits, and a little bit about, you know, controlling the population. And because mm-hmm. at that point she hadn't been through Hunter's Head yet, she was she was nine, and. Um, we had a good talk and so we went out the next morning and she took a book um, and she's like, yeah, I'll take my gun. So she took her gun with her. Each time she went out, she was like, I don't know if I want to take my gun. She'd always end up taking it. Mm-hmm. I think something inside of her, but she wanted to do it. She just didn't think that she could go through with killing a deer. Yeah. And, and finally, um, towards the end of the season, it may have been the last weekend that she was here during gun season, we got up and Chance actually it was in the evening and Chance said you know come out and go with me one last time she's like oh god I don't want to go Johnny <laughs> Marie listen put your stuff on because we're going hunting and you're going with one of us because you're not staying home by yourself you don't have to just take a book you don't have to take it you're only going to be sitting out there for two and a half hours and mm-hmm. it's going to be like, you know how you know nine year old oh, yeah. oh, world is ending so she put her stuff on and she traipsed across the field and they got up in a, a double ladder stand and Chance noticed that part of the way through she's she's raising her rifle up and she's holding it and counting. He's like, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm focusing on a leaf in my scope and I'm counting because I know I'm going to have to hold it there long enough if a deer walks in front of me. Hey. He goes, huh. <laughs> you know, he thought, okay. And he didn't prompt it, you know. And then a little bit later he nudged her and a nice big eight point came through and he said, can you see it? She said, yeah. 
can I shoot it? He was like, uh... Yes. <laughs> no. So he said, if you have a clean shot, and she put her gun up on the shooting rail and took a big, deep breath and pulled the trigger and got a double long shot. I mean, afterwards, I, I of course, I'm hunting five miles away, and I'm driving like a crazy woman home when I find out, you know, I'm in tears. Yeah. So, so, or, and I get home, and I asked her, we went out to the deer and uh, got it to bring it up to the house, and I said, you know, are you sad? And she said, no. I said, you're not sad like you thought you would be. She said, not at all. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, looking at it, kind of petting it. And I said, are you proud? And she said, oh, yeah, I'm really proud. Good. And it was just that moment. But that age is hard. You know, there's got to be an understanding that you're taking a life and that you can't take that back when you pull the trigger. Yep. For kids that age. You know, it's 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 important that you get them outdoors, but it's equally as important not to force anything on them. They exactly. have to make that and they have to have an understanding of when they're ready. And she just she made that transition on her own. It wasn't anything that we pushed. Yeah. I think that's critical. I think we kind of had the same experience this year because my son was nine and he had been out all season with me and he had a perfect shot on a doe at one point with the crossbow and he looked at me he said mom I I don't think that I can make an ethical clean shot and I said okay that's fine I took it it was a great shot he got to go through the whole process with me and everything but um if I had pushed it that day I think he might he he quite possibly could have had some regret because he was unsure the day that he shot his deer this year he had no question no regret no he picked up the gun saw the deer and shot um and it was I mean, of course, he went through all those emotions, the excitement, the the quiet, the taking it in, the processing it mentally and emotionally and all of that kind of stuff. But there was no regret. And I think that's the worst thing that we can do if we are mentoring a young hunter or even just a hunter who has never been in that circumstance before is, like you said, you don't push. If you push too Mm -hmm. soon then there's regret and you never want that for somebody yeah it can ruin the whole situation it can ruin them ever wanting to go back out again and that's just yes and it can ruin their thoughts of hunters around them it can ruin i mean it's it's a really touchy subject when when dealing with uh with first timers out there yeah Mm -hmm. and you know somebody asked me actually my boss asked me yesterday about what how old somebody needs to be to go through hunter's ed. And I said, well, if they're under 11, the, you know, a parent or guardian has to stay in class with them. They yeah. just do. We, we can't drop them off. Um, I said, but, you know, we've had kids as young as six or seven. I said, I don't, I don't recommend that. Mm-hmm. Because while they might be able to understand enough of the questions on the test to pass it, I still think there's a real lack of understanding of the finality of taking a life. Yes. They may see Big Brother do it or Dad do it. And, oh, that's cool, and I'm going to kill a big deer. But there's a big difference between seeing someone else doing it and being on the other end of the gun and pulling the trigger. And that's I, true. I, I think, you know, I don't know. I, it's probably a touchy subject because there's some people who have probably taken their kids out at a super young age and yeah. they've been able to do it. But I still think that there's there's some reckoning that comes mm-hmm. by 
too early. Um, you know, and like I said, we let Siani make that decision for herself. Yeah, it, it really depends on maturity level, on yeah. the ability to um, not just regurgitate information, yes. Um, yes. but actually grasp that. And I think that I saw that with our son when he said, hey, I can't take that. Eth- I can't make an ethical shot. And immediately I respected him more that day. Oh, absolutely. And knew that he grasped a the f- finality of it, but also mm-hmm. um, grasped the responsibility of it. And that oh. that meant a whole lot, um, mm-hmm. I think, to him and to to me. Um, yeah. But yeah. OK, I want to switch gears just a little bit because you do a whole lot in your community. <laughs> like we said earlier, you've got lots of hats. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've posted many a time, schedule after schedule after schedule, um, just the busyness of what you do. But a lot of what you do is not necessarily your paid job. Uh, n- none of it is my paid job. <laughs> enough um it's it's incredibly rewarding yes Um, i i i think saying yes one time sent me into a spiral of Mm -hmm. well uh, yeah i could yeah i'll help with that you know Mm -hmm. but approached by um, a really nice fella at our 4-h shooting sports uh siani was in shooting sports in 2018 and they said you know I don't know. I got talking about shooting my bow or something. And the gentleman said, well, you shoot a bow? And I said, well, yeah. And he said, well, how would you like to volunteer to be an instructor for 4-H? And I said, oh, I've never done anything like that. I don't think I'm I'm the person you want. And he said, well, you know, we have a lot of little girls that are in archery. And we don't have any women that are instructors. And it would just do, it'd go a long ways for these girls to see someone else in there that's, you know, a female that's uh, instructing and knows how to teach them and just makes them feel more comfortable. And I got to thinking about it and I thought, well, okay. I mean, that's, I kicked it around for a few weeks and he said, tell you what, this is when our next meeting is. If you want to do it, show up. So I showed up and I told him I'd filled all the paperwork out and I, I was going to bite the bullet and go through the training because uh, we have to go up to a camp uh, near West Lafayette called Ross Camp and you stay up there for an entire weekend and they they send you through this discipline whether it's muzzleloader, shotgun, archery whichever discipline you choose they send you through that discipline um, and then you have to take an exam a written exam, you have to take practicum I mean it's pretty serious stuff Yeah, you're working with children and it's yeah. all about safety. So I told him, I said, yeah, I'll do it. Well, in that same meeting, before I ever went to Ross Camp the first time, uh, there was another guy in there, Steve Spencer, and he said, hey, so you hunt, huh? (laughs) I was like, yeah. He goes, maybe you'd like to be a hunter's ed instructor. And I said, "Uh," without even thinking, I said, okay. Because it's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. Girls are coming through. Women are coming through. Yep. And to see another woman in there automatically lowers the stress level. Yep. And and so I said, yep. Okay. What do do I do? He said, well, you'll go to Ross Camp. And he said, you're going to go to Ross Camp first for Hunter's Ed. And you'll be up there for a whole weekend. And then you'll turn around two weeks later and you're going to go back and spend another weekend to get certified for archery for 4-H. And yeah. I said, uh, okay. okay. 
but but then you know and I, I went through the, the whole process and then the, the following spring we started with our 4-H archery shoots and when I showed up I was terrified mm-hmm. I was absolutely scared out of my skin I didn't know I didn't know if I imposter syndrome is something that I suffer from in ways that it's indescribable I just I never feel like I'm the right person I never feel like I know enough yeah but I showed up and and kind of watched how they worked with the kids and I'm like well I okay it's so so after you know two or three weeks I got comfortable and I started helping the kids shoot and I started you know actually running the range and I just kind of fell into a comfort zone that by the end of this this last summer it was the most rewarding thing I think mm-hmm. I could have signed up for and I I'm it was just it's hard to describe when at the end of the season you see kids that have made so much progress from the first shoot to the last shoot when they compete at the fair and it's just it's it's a it's I don't know. I don't even have words for it. It's volunteering is something that I never imagined myself doing. And now I never want to quit. Yep. Hunter's yep. Ed's the same way. We teach two classes a year in my county and I teach the uh, part of the archery section and I'm there to, to help with the exam and uh, fill in anywhere I can with shotgun or rifle or whatever. And it's, it's uh, to see the kids sit through class and even the adults, um, and then to watch their eyes light up when they get their test results back and know that they passed. And it's just, there's just nothing like it. It's, it's I've seen it. Like, I've seen it being a part of NASP. And, um, oh, NASP is great. Yeah. Yep. Coaching little fourth and fifth graders. Um, yep. And seeing the difference between my fourth graders last year to them being in fifth grade this year. Um, yeah. The messages that I get, did you hear what my score was? Did you? And to see their strength grow from. Yeah from 9, 10 to 11 uh, is huge. But but it's like you said, there's a sense of pride, that accomplishment. So not only are you taking kids that probably um, might not be the most popular kids in 4-H or in school or wherever they are, A, they're finding a group of of community that they Mm -hmm. find similarity in and and uh, camaraderie with but they also find a band of brothers and sisters that stand beside oh, them and then they start yes. they start seeing themselves grow and they start yeah. seeing them them themselves like do better and better and better and better and accomplish these things and you see that self that oh, yeah. oh the confidence is growing and they hold yep. themselves a little bit higher and, and stronger and they're more confident in their stature and how they walk up to their, it's just, it's amazing to see them grow. It's a really cool thing in NASP and in Indiana, we're in over 500 schools now yep. in the state of Indiana and our tournament is first, uh, I think it's like the second week of March, maybe this year. Yeah. It's just to see, like you said, it's kids that maybe have found their home in archery that maybe they're not the typical mm-hmm. uh, athletic type or they they don't fit in with football or basketball or volleyball or whatever but they pick up a bow and they pick up an arrow and it's just them and the target and they just they flourish yeah and come alive and you know it, it builds a confidence in them that they didn't even know yeah. was there Yep. So it's a great program. I love how hunting and archery, both of those things within 
within either schools or just the community or 4-H how you see um, you can have kids with any type of disability oh absolutely yeah. come through and mm-hmm. find that confidence find that the victories find that um there are ways that that those programs they can bend things in all oh, yeah. different kinds of ways to make it work for a child um yep. and so it's i don't i we could go on tangents all night oh yeah on how it affects um, people in the community one mm-hmm. way or another. It's excellent. Yeah. And I, you know, Siani, she was not in archery the first year, but once I became instructor, she said, oh, I think I might do archery mm-hmm. this year. And you don't have to do it just because I'm an instructor. <laughs> and uh, she had never shot. And she went through, last year was her first year in archery and she ended up with reserve, reserve champion in her age group. I mean, yeah. she, and I didn't work with her. I made it a point, let the other instructors yep. work there. I, I stayed down with my left-handed kiddos and, and worked with my lefties and let her work with the other instructors. And she ended up this fall saving her money from running targets at our local American Legion <laughs> turkey shoot. Mm-hmm. And she bought her own bow. Yeah. She went and she got her own Genesis bow for 4-H. I mean, she is, she's invested now. Yeah. And I believe one one summer of shooting at 4-H did she's that hooked. for her. She's hooked. Oh, she's hooked. Yeah, for sure. I love it. Okay, so we we hung out at ATA for lunch one yes. day. And um, you're also involved in a couple of different things, 2% for conservation, um, mm-hmm. Hunt to Eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me just a little bit about that because I also want to go and I want you to tell me, tell everybody here – you do have a dream of what you would like to do each year. And so I want to get into that too, before we're done. So tell me about yes. those two things that you're involved with. Okay. So 2% for conservation. I got involved with them. Um, officially I became a regional committee member about this time last year. Jared Frazier is the director of that program. And so what they encourage uh, for an individual, they really encourage you to donate 1% of your time. Mm-hmm. So volunteer, go out, work at a habitat project, uh, any type, type of volunteer work that you can go out and spend your time with a, uh, a nonprofit that's involved in fish and wildlife. Yeah. So 1% of your time and then 1% of uh, your finances you can donate to, again, a fish and wildlife project. Yeah. So uh, that can be Pheasants Forever. It can be the National Wild Turkey Federation, uh, Mule Deer, you name it if it has to with fish and wildlife and you're committing your time and your money you can get certified as an individual a step further is get certified as a business so basically same rules apply except that your contribution uh for your time can be split throughout your staff okay uh, just take one day and take your staff out and, and go to a project and work for the day and you could meet that commitment and then the financial side of it is a little bit more involved mm-hmm. um they want some type of financial record right which um as a business you're going to be promoting yourself with that two percent certification so it's it's uh could be really good to show your people in your community that i might be a plumber mm-hmm. but i also you know our habitat and our wildlife definitely so yeah really cool program and and basically what i do 
for my area as a regional committee member is just try to get more people involved. Uh, if there's people that are looking for ways to donate, I send them in a direction of you know whatever NGO they're interested in. I make sure that they can get contact with them and start volunteering where they know where to send their money yes. to. Yes. So you don't send any funds um, to 2% for conservation. They don't want your money. They yeah. want your money going into your local communities, into uh, habitat and wildlife. Yeah. They're just getting um, you hooked into these places that you they, find they interest in that you want the connection to. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We're just getting you connected. Yeah. That's awesome. And then Hunt to Eat, um, I was asked uh, by Mating Patelis, geez, it's probably been a year and a half ago now, I guess, um, if I would like to be an ambassador. I think he thought I was creeping on him because I was <laughs> buying a sweatshirt or a t-shirt bed every week. <laughs> and but, well, and he, so he emailed me, he said, don't you think it's about time you become an ambassador for Hunt to Eat? And I said, sure. So I, the the ethos of Hunt to Eat is so special. Um, it is very conservation-based. A lot of the money that uh, he gets from anything he sells goes back to a lot of different conservation organizations. He's done a lot of collaborations with um, different groups, Pheasants Forever, um, the Caribou foundation mm-hmm. uh, a non-led partnership he's worked with bha so it's a conservation-minded company but the, the the whole point of the company was you know him and his brother were having a hard time finding cool t-shirts for hunting that weren't your typical and i don't mean this in the wrong way but you know like you're it's brown it's down yeah. you know it's, yeah it's, it's, you, you don't it doesn't make the best impression Yep. To non-hunters. Mm-hmm. So they developed this company and started making really cool t-shirts and with great designs. He's got a bunch of really good freelance designers that work for him. But uh, a, a big push for him, again, it's it's conservation. It's taking care of the environment. It's being responsible with the environment and, and our use. Yeah. Um, whether it's consumptive or non-consumptive, either way. And also um, making sure that it's a very diverse and inclusive um, environment. So our ambassadors are a wide variety of people from a wide variety of spaces, and it's 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 a, like a little family. It's it's a cool group of people. Well, and if you think so, about it, the the easiest way to introduce someone who has never hunted or been around wild game or anything like mm-hmm. that, the easiest way to introduce them to something is ever a meal food yeah. food brings everybody together food i mean i'm from the yeah. south and food <laughs> is the way to people's hearts and it is my i love cooking for people i love mixing groups together but it is it is one of the easiest ways to introduce oh, somebody so it's a yeah. great i love the name of that hunt to eat so yeah it's and it's it, it's a uh, like I said it, it it's it's about food it's about being inclusive and you know hunting mm-hmm. is doesn't you don't have to look a certain way or be a certain age it's no. not or female it's everybody is included yeah you're and just hunting he's a genuine good soul I mean his intentions are are real and they are good and that's why I'm I'm on board and again it's a volunteer thing right. um 
but I'm I'm going to have his back and the in the back of the company regardless. So I love it. Well, take yeah. that kind of takes you into uh, both of those things because of putting back into your community. That kind of takes mm-hmm. it into the what we were talking over lunch that day. Um, kind of your idea of what you would love to start, even if it's just on your own. It would be great to spread it, but. Um, Tell us a little bit about what what's in your brain right now. Well, I started mentoring um, a couple young men this fall, and it, it, it's funny because it it actually came from shooting sports. Uh, one of the other ladies that volunteers, I was um, she heard me on Todd Waldron's podcast uh, in August, and I had mentioned that I would take anybody hunting. I don't care, man, woman, child. If you have an interest and you're looking for an avenue to go. I will take you mm-hmm. because it just has meant so much to me and my life. And it's just changed everything for me that I'm thinking, you know, it, it could change anybody. It could be as monumental for anybody as it is for me, but they just don't know it, you know, cause they haven't had the opportunity. So she messaged me and she said, and I didn't really know her very well. And she said, Hey, you know, would you, did you mean that mm-hmm. when you said you take anybody hunting? I said, yeah. She said, well, would you be interested in taking my son? I said, yeah, sure. And she said, well, okay, well, let's set something up. So Chance and I decided we'd take him squirrel hunting first. Let's, you know, let's go squirrel hunting and see, you know, what he's into. And so we went squirrel hunting with him. And he's he's the quietest young man you'll ever meet. You have to beat the child to get words out of him. He doesn't show any kind of emotion. But he killed a few squirrels and I'd asked him, I said, well, what time do you want to go home? And he just kind of grinned and he said, I could do this all day. And I was like, you stay as long as you want, but you better call your mom, you know? And he ended up calling his mom and he's he's 17. He doesn't have his license yet. Um, he called his mom and when she came and picked him up, I don't know, it was probably one 1.30 in the afternoon. She she had the biggest smile on her face and he's just kind of standing there sheepishly holding the squirrels. and. She started crying actually, and she said, "Cindy, you don't, you don't have any idea what this means to me, and and I, I, I can't tell you how happy I am that he got to do this because she said I've asked numerous other people, other guys in the shooting sports, you know, group, and nobody ever took him. Nobody ever would step up and take him. She said I've been asking for nine years for somebody wow. to take my, and she doesn't know anything about hunting and yeah." He's, He's been in trapping in 4-H, like his entire nine years, this is his 10th year in 4-H, so he's always trapped. So he's familiar with animals and trapping and skinning, but nobody ever took him hunting. So, and I didn't know that, you know, when we said we'd take him, we're like, well, woods anyway, he can go with us. So after that, then I asked him if um, he'd want to go deer hunting, and he said, sure. So when deer season rolled around, I messaged her again, and she said, are you serious? I said, yeah, why not? Absolutely. I had, you know, he's a good kid and he's got good woodsmanship and he's smart and he pays attention. It's just, he just didn't have the opportunity. So we went deer hunting and uh, we went out the first day and didn't see anything. We went out the evening and it was opening weekend. I hunted opening morning and Chance killed a few deer. So my morning was pretty much over. And then the rest of my opening weekend, I spent with Noah. We went back out Sunday morning and he, he killed his first deer second deer second deer that came in front of us he shot it and he smiled so big but it was just for a second. yeah it was a second yeah. that it was gone. Yeah. but and his mom and dad came out and and you know looked at it but we also brought him back and he butchered it 
yep. uh, chance out and helped him uh, taught him how to to field dress it. We took it back to the house and hung it. He came out, and skinned it, and he's using the hide off of it for one of his 4-H projects, which I thought awesome. was really cool. He's going to tan it himself, and then also Chance had him come back two or three days later and taught him how to do all the cuts and butcher it, and we back-sealed it and sent all the meat home with him. And then we did the same thing with another young boy. His mom messaged me. She's a neighbor, and she said, boy, I sure like what you're doing with Noah. Do you think you'd take Colby out? I said, sure. So Colby is 11, so he's a lot younger. Mm-hmm. 11 or 12. Anyway, so Colby and I went out, and he had never been hunting for anything. And boy, night and day difference. That kid's a chatterbox, but he asked some of the best questions. Yeah. So I, just let, I let him talk. We weren't going to see anything because he was talking so much, but I thought, you know, he's asking good questions. Yeah. So, and where what? else, where else are you going to have that a time uh, oh, yeah. to be able to yeah. sit down and 100% focus on that one kid? Yeah. yeah. And so you know, I, I kind of say, you know, look down there in the corner. You see that little hole? That's where one might come out. And, you know, look over this way. And, okay, we're in the last half hour. It's happy hour. So we got to be really quiet now. And yeah. So it was a good teaching teaching time. We never saw any deer, but I ended up taking him squirrel hunting after deer season was over and he had a ball. Yeah. So it, so my goal with, with those two fellas um I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool if if I could somehow start some type of a program that I could be a mentor and and maybe pick two people and spend an entire year with them. Yep. Take them out, you know, and maybe start out in the spring so they have to go to get their hunter's ed. They do that in the spring. And then in the summer, I take them fishing. And then we go squirrel hunting in early fall. And then we go deer hunting. And then we end with turkey hunting, which turkey hunting... It's pretty hard. So I it's think it's really you hard. Yeah. Your way into turkey hunting. But but wouldn't that be a cool mm-hmm. it's way. a full circle. It is. And I think, you know, with the R three movement and how that's shaken out, there's a lot of criticism towards R three because they say it fails because there's no follow up. Mm-hmm. There's no follow up a lot of times. You have these big programs where you have fifty people show up and they go pheasant hunting or they go, you know, dove hunting. But then nobody ever makes contact with that person again. Yeah. So not a real, that's not a real good way to break somebody into hunting because it's a one and done. Right. I thought, well, you know, I've taken the boys squirrel hunting. I've taken them deer hunting. Why not take them turkey hunting in the spring? Yeah. I've, I've found more enjoyment taking the boys out than I have. They're not going to ruin my hunt because I'm having so much fun taking them and watching them just soak it all in. I would rather... I. Don't want to say that I don't ever want to go kill my own deer and turkey again, but <laughs> I found so much enjoyment Yeah, with this experience that I want to do more of it. Yeah. I really, I really would like to, to keep it, keep it going and, well, and, you know, have other people pick up on that model and do the same thing. Yes. And like you said in the beginning, all it takes is saying yes once. Yeah. Um, especially women out there who are hunting and fishing and and doing those kind of things, they're not going to throw you to the wolves. You're not right. going to get thrown in and not be able to stay head over water. They're going to ease mm-hmm. you in and they're not going to let go of you until you are confident, especially working with kids. So there should be no fear in it. There's yeah. there, there should be no hesitation. There, there should be... Um, there should be excitement 
we talk a lot with our kids about, you know, that nervous feeling that you get in your stomach, the butterflies. There are multiple different reasons for those feelings. It could be fear. It could be anxiety. But a lot of times it could just be excitement. Mm -hmm. And so um, so I think that, again, going back to what you were saying, all it takes is one yes. It's it's a game changer. Yeah, because now it's, you know, I, I'm looking well and, and you saying yes I have gotten to where I want to say yes to everything and you can't yep you there's have to good, boundary it just a little good balance that mm-hmm. you have to have because you know you you know if you've got <laughs> a family you can't neglect that you know that time with them and uh, there's a few things that I'm backing away from that I just I feel like I need to you know yeah. and there's a few things that I've picked up and a few things that are a little more time consuming that I'm going to back away from. And I think that's good. I think that I'm, I'm picking the things that I have the most immediate impact. So I'm mm-hmm. picking like my 4-H program, my hunter's ed program, because those are things that I work one-on-one with kids or I, I can see what is happening and mm-hmm. it's, and it's cool, you know, and that's nothing against big national organizations, but I just, for me, that's what feels the most fulfilling is to work, you know, face to face with people. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's important balance to have so you don't burn out. Burnout is a, is a real thing, especially in conservation, because a lot of times you feel like there's just not enough people to go around to, to hit all the needs that are there. Definitely so not. Burnout is something you have to really be careful of. Yeah. Well, now, you know, like if anybody's listening in Indiana, <laughs> <laughs> We need a couple more people in there saying yes, um, yes. to help carry that burden um, and make it a little bit lighter so that it can be more enjoyable. Um, but yeah, I I have loved, like if you go from the beginning, everything that you have talked about on this episode has been confidence, 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 building that confidence. And you are a person who has realized yourself where that can come from Mm -hmm. and how to build it, when to push, when to let off. Um, And I think everybody is different in that. So uh, anybody can come in and help someone else learn how to do that too. Absolutely. And and it's, everybody learns differently. Mm -hmm. And I, for me, the way that it worked for me, it just worked well. And I thrived in that, you know, in that situation. <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't want to be just thrown <laughs> in the that's, that's a scary thing. But where I was at in my life, I don't think that there was anything better that Chance could have done for me. He, yeah. did, it, he didn't know it. He had no idea. But he did He did exactly what I needed. Good. So it worked out. It worked out. Now, now, <laughs> now I'm going nonstop and it's just funny how how things can change so drastically for the good mm-hmm. I was at, at at that point to to where I'm at now so I'm blessed I'm I'm very thankful and very blessed well, Cindy, I am grateful for getting to meet you and getting to know you and hearing your story and the impact that you're having in your community. And um, and I'm hoping that this that your voice is heard. And um, and I love highlighting all of the things that you're doing, because it means a lot, whether you're a man or a woman being a hunter who 
who can impact their community in this way is, um, I don't know, it's, it's head over heels, the, the most exciting thing. So I'm thankful that you came on the podcast and let me highlight you a little bit. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And just, you know, it's volunteering is, is never for the glory. It's, you get so so much more out of it that's worth so much more than that so it's I'm true it's true but i want people to know that that's what you're getting out of it and they can too so oh, um, absolutely. so people highlighting oh yeah highlighting people in in their communities and their hunting communities and all of that that is that is what i'm loving loving to do so thank you hey tell everybody how they can um get connected with you if they have any questions Oh, I am other Cindy Lou at other Cindy Lou on Instagram. Um, Cindy Stites on Facebook. Um, yeah, yeah those are, and I have a there's a, a description on Hunt to Eat's website of all the ambassadors. So if there's an ambassador in your local area that you want to hook up with and start talking about recipes and you know how to be a little bit more involved in our community at Hunt to Eat, you can go there too for that. And it's hunttoeat.com. Perfect. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You can go follow Cindy on Instagram at Other Cindy Lou or on Facebook, Cindy Stites. HuntToEat.com. You can go check them out for uh, finding representatives in your community and 2% for conservation. Thank you, Cindy.